You are listening to the Root Simple Podcast. There's a struggle in cities around the world to make streets safer for everyone, especially our children and elders. 100 years of car-centric planning has created cities and suburbs that are ugly and dangerous. Renee Garner is fighting a plan to turn the road in front of her home in Matthews, North Carolina, into what would be, in effect, a multi-lane freeway. During our conversation, we talk about her activism and what happened when a local reporter uncovered a trove of mean-spirited text messages about her from the now-former mayor. In addition to her efforts to stop the John Street Widening Project, Renee is an artist, illustrator, and avid permaculturalist. Before we get to the interview, I want to thank our Patreon subscribers, Robert G., Anne F., Dan F., Heather E., Lynn G., K., Scott G., Kellyan, Stephanie L., Erica R., Kelton M., Kyle P., Nicholas H., David and Sandy S., Eric of Garden Fork, and supporters Michael W., Johnny S., Dutch Girl, Mary H., Stephen T., Brad and Stacy, and Johan. If you'd like to become a patron and make an ongoing pledge to support our podcast and blog, you can find a link in the show notes and on the right side of our blog at rootsimple.com. And now my conversation with Renee Garner. So Renee, nice to talk to you this morning or this afternoon, I guess, right? You're in um, <laughs> Matthews, North Carolina, right? Right, yeah. So I guess we're about three hours, dif- is it three hours difference? Yeah, three, you're on the East Coast, we're on the West Coast here. And um, so tell me a little, actually, before we begin, about yourself and, and what uh, what the sort of town you live in and what it's like there in Matthews. Um, okay, well, I was born and raised in Matthews, and we live in the house that my grandparents built in the 40s. And that's kind of what we like about Matthews is that it still has a small town feel, even though it's suburban and it's, you know, really populated. There's about 30,000 people here. So it's not, you know, it's not a city by any means, but it's also not a rural town. Uh, And there's lots of cute little old houses and a small general store that sells a lot of gardening stuff and uh, still a full service gas station up the street. And uh, it just has that kind of throwback feel to it. Yeah, thanks to Google Earth, I was uh, poking around a little bit. It looks like it's pretty spread out, right? You have uh, you know, the houses are pretty far apart. It looks like you have some space to garden, and it sounds like you do. You're an avid gardener as well. Yeah, that's right. And we live so we live on an acre, and uh, and it was built as a suburban town. Lots there's lots of sprawl and lots of you know big lots, big houses, kind of stuff. Yeah, we get a lot of gardening in on our acre. And speaking of sprawl, uh, unfortunately, it seems like the street that you live on is slated for a street widening project that's been ongoing for a while, and you've been involved in a struggle against that. Uh, Could you say something about what the city is planning and and how you've been countering that? Uh, Yeah, I can. It's Actually, it's a state-owned road that goes in front of our house, and right now it's a two-lane road, so one lane in each direction and then no turn lane in the center. Uh, and the state came in and, and did a, a study on it and said, and studied whether it should be a six lane road or a four lane road, uh, which is, you know, a huge change and it would wipe out one side of the streets, the houses on one side of the street. And then we found out about that. My husband and I did. 
went to a meeting, found out a little more. They and the street design is called a super street, which means there are, are no left turns until you get to a spot where you do a U turn. Uh, so every you know you have to do a U turn so you can make the right turn rather than doing a left turn. Um, and it's basically just one step away from being a freeway. And this that particular road runs right through the middle of our town and bisects where. You know, the neighborhoods are from all of the small businesses and the restaurants and the bars and everything. So it's you know, just this huge shock when we found out this drastic plan was going to happen in our basically in our front yard. So we started trying to look into it and figure out okay, who's behind the street, who wants it to happen. And at that point in time, the town felt like it was a good idea. But the more I talked to business owners... You know, the business owners were afraid, well, first of all, when the construction starts and there's several years where where their customers can't get to their store easily and they lose all of that business, the, the businesses will close. Uh, so that was a big, you know, one of the big red flags, too. Not only do I want to keep my yard, <laughs> but I don't want all these independent, um, quaint little businesses to go out of out of business. So, um uh, that was kind of jumping in at everything I found out. And so you're, just to back up for a second, you, you mentioned that on one side of the street, they're actually going to take some, some houses out. Is that, is that correct? With the initial design, um, they would have just eliminated all of the houses on one side of the street. So it was, I think a 16, it's 13 or 16 houses. And all of those houses would be demolished. Wow. And and this is a time when many cities are actually narrowing streets uh, to make them more, I don't know, pedestrian, bike-friendly, that kind of thing. So this is kind of an old-school, 1950s-era kind, of, um, kind of project to make a street <laughs> that, that you could just literally land an airplane on. It's so huge what they plan on doing. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, because they also wanted 18-foot-wide medians going down the length of the street. So yeah, it, it's, de- it was definitely a throwback design. And, you know, I reached out to uh, urban planners and said, does this make sense? And, and, and everyone was like, you know, right now towns are going back to, to that walkability and they're, they're creating these environments where it has a small town feel, which is what we have authentically this road would completely undo that. And so why are we undoing what every other town around here is trying to do? Right, right. So you are part of an opposition to it. What does that opposition look like? And is there a significant uh, part of the town that, that supports the project as well? Um, so the opposition group is called Preserve Matthews, and we started with a petition uh, and then formed more into a Facebook group for discussing ways that traffic could be, uh, some of it could be eliminated or alternatives to the street design. But our small core group, when we initially got together, you said, you know, that towns are trying to make streets narrower and more what they call complete streets with bike facilities and everything. Right. Um, We tried to come up with the terminology, you know, that to to state what we wanted to see, which is a three-lane road. Uh, And it's kind of hard to describe a three-lane road to transportation experts without the right terminology. 
So we just, you, you know, we kind of called it a road diet, even though the road is not being narrowed, but it would be a diet from the design that they're going for. And then, so we had our petition, created our mission statement, kind of asking for a consideration of a road diet rather than this four-lane highway. Um, and then several months into it, realized that our town leaders weren't hearing what we were saying and that they were kind of on board with going ahead with the four-lane road, even though there hadn't been any um, communication with the residents of the town. Mm-hmm. And so that be- became our next step was, okay, well, you know, only a few people, not even everybody that lived on John Street knew about the project. So that was the next step was to get the word out and let people know, you know this was the plan for this road. And once we started doing that, then we started getting more and more you know, people saying, wow, why would they even think to do that to this street? And so we do have a, a really wide supportive base for people who want to see some a design that's more in context with the small town feel. Uh, and because people moved to Matthews for that feeling, you know, for being able to take a bike ride into town and then walk around and, and do things and you know, keep the family friendly environment, not be afraid for kids to be near a highway. And then, but then you also asked about people who are for the road. Right. We have some, there are some people who are, are vocalizing that yes, that they think the road should go through, but most of those people don't live in Matthews. They live in towns where it would be more convenient for their commute to have a larger road. They want to go through your neighborhood, but don't want to spend time there. In other words, right? They're not people who are investing in the businesses. They're people who are going to and from work and want that quick trip. Right now, at a certain point, this uh, took a, a surreal turn when an ABC. Uh, reporter uh, for your local channel nine, I think did a public records request and found a raft of very mean spirited emails and text messages, some of which were uh, attacks on you personally. Uh, Can you say something about that? (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. It it was surreal. It was the strangest thing. Uh, You know, I knew there was a tension in communication with some of with the some of the elected leaders, and certainly not all of them, and I, I knew that tension was there, but I thought and hoped, and maybe remained blissfully ignorant that it went any deeper than that. Uh, I always hoped that we could just have some honest communication back and forth, and I wasn't trying to undo anybody's plans. I was just trying to look out for my neighborhood, you know, and then to find out that the mayor was. And one of the commissioners was talking about me. Uh, it's really weird. All along, one of the one of the commissioners would call me on the phone and talk to me, but he would never get anything in writing. You know, he would say things to me that sounded promising, but would never email. So I kind of had an idea that well, that not this were not necessarily the the optimistic thoughts he had were not necessarily accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those things I've learned, I guess, over this experience is that if they aren't going to put it in, in an email, then you probably can't trust it. And so to find out, yeah, the mayor drove past our house and was making fun of the way that I garden, which tends to be loose. And um, I would take a permaculture approach to our yard. And so, yeah, he made fun of that. And well, he called you talk- a 
tree hugger and crunchy, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> in a text message. Yeah. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, I will be the first to admit I'm a hippie. You know? <laughs> I, mean, it, <laughs> I don't follow the Grateful Dead, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I <laughs> do walk around my yard barefoot, and I like to play with worms, and I like to see what's going on with the flowers. <laughs> I find that, like, somebody could say that to my face, and I would be okay with it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, his tone was snarky. So, well, And you, you said it on your blog. There's this tone of a, a middle-aged man bullying uh, that that feels yeah. like junior high, and it's 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 yeah. funny to talk about. But when you actually experienced it, right? What were your what were your feelings when you you discovered this this long the list of documents with this stuff in it? Um, well, I've you know I've got kids, and I on one level I think it's okay for them to see me get emotional. On the other hand, it, I don't want them to see the effects of bullying so there were a lot of nights where I would put them to bed and then I would go downstairs and I would cry <laughs> just kind of let it all out you know and then try and, and reframe and see okay what do I need to do next uh, because you can't let that stop you right if I if I let them get that punch in and be effective with it then I would have given up and the street mm -hmm. would be happening right now at the same time I want them to know there are people that are always going to be mean and you have to stand up and say that's not okay. Right. And so where is it now? Where is the, the, the project at this point? Well, um, the, we've since had an election and so we had a changeover of mayor. Uh, most of the commissioners are still the same, including the one that was talking badly about me, but we formed the new mayor formed a committee and the committee is made up of business owners and, uh, the transportation board that work that volunteers for the town and uh, and the the town commissioners we're all we all get together and we kind of roundtable what we want to see for the road as a kind of a aside I had another experience with a commissioner this past week who said that I found fault with everything and didn't want to try and and work together and mm. blah 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 which again just kind of took me out of the fight for a couple of days and so I missed the last meeting I just couldn't walk into a room and and be civil at that point <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, I just couldn't right. do it um, so I don't know what happened at the last meeting and I, I'm kind of feeling guilty about that because that's my one you know those are my opportunities to get my wishes in but it seems like this committee is really centered around finding a way to make that road diet design work and which kind of you know as a committee that six months ago, all of those same people were emailing me back and saying, this is impossible. It's kind of miraculous to see uh, that they're, they're understanding the impact it would have on everybody and the feel of the town and the future of the town. So um, the idea is to take, to find a consensus and then take that plan to the state and ask the state to implement the, the plan that the town has come up with. So, so yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. We just kind of have to wait and see, you know, uh, and again, I don't know what happened at this last meeting, so I'll have to somehow find that out too. Yeah. What what advice would you have for people who are fighting this kind of fight? You know, I, I guess first I would get some people together with the intention of fighting it and get on the same page and be as clear and concise in your intentions as possible. Because if you don't do that, 
other people are going to twist your words and twist your intentions and it's going to set you back. And then after you've got, you know, a strong group of people, even if it's just three people, it makes it so much easier than having the burden to yourself. Read everything you can about the project. In North Carolina, they do environmental assessments, which is like a 300-page document, and I read it. And I don't think any of our commissioners have read it, but mm. maybe pages. But I sat down and highlighted and took notes and got the facts and the data and had of it to present anytime there's you know a, a discussion of it. Just because you don't want to come across as emotional, you want to come across you know fully informed. And then once you've done that, or while you're doing that, then start getting the word out as broadly as you can, because no government entity wants to be embarrassed. And I think that's kind of the crucial point, is that once once the word got out and NCDOT started getting feedback, negative feedback about this project, they kind of really started saying, okay, maybe we will listen. It's not just, you know, one person, but it's this is getting to be a bigger group of people who have concerns and ultimately, we pay their salaries through our taxes. So there is some you know, level of responsibility on their part to listen. Right. Now, how do you, you've talked a little bit about this before, but I've experienced this too, uh, which is dealing with the anger and the emotional toll of this kind of, um, very, can you make it very contentious? You get these politicians who are behaving arrogantly, uh, outmaneuvering you. How do you deal with with that emotional toll because you know personally when i've faced this kind of thing before i've just quit which i hate to say but i just couldn't couldn't deal with it anymore <laughs> yeah i and i laugh because i know there have been so many times where i've just been i would have given up except somebody else tried to bully me and that's enough to make me stand up and say whoa <laughs> like, you know I, I would have crawled into a hole until i felt like i had to stand up for myself again I can tell you all the unhealthy things that I've done. I'm a stress eater. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the number of cookies that I've been through and and sometimes beer. <laughs> right, right. Not not the way to do it and I wouldn't ever recommend that. Um, but you you know, you have to find what helps you and and sometimes that is just blowing off steam and also going I go to the Y and I go mm-hmm. do cycle classes at the Y and I cycle as hard as I can for an hour. Um, and come out on the other side with all of the adrenaline and all of the you know endorphins and everything pumping. Um, but then also just finding that quiet space where if you need to cry, you cry, and you find you have that core group of people that you can you know kind of gripe to and and get it out. But I think really more than anything, you have to have that you, know, you get back in your corner, you regroup, and then you come back out stronger and and ready to get back to it and you have two kids uh, and this is a civics lesson i'm wondering how you explain what's going on to your to your children um well they helped us hand out postcards and they've helped us you know with the signs uh i I haven't gone into all of the detail with them Mm. just there's some things that they don't i i don't want to add that to their experience with it but i and i i do try and focus on it being a civics lesson, and and unfortunately, I also have to explain that it's there's a lot of it that's probably because I'm a woman, and I am dealing with middle-aged men who happen to be in you know all white men, 
uh, not used to a woman standing up in front of them with a strong opinion. And, you know, so I explained that to my daughter. I don't explain it in those words, but I said, you know, I do say that sometimes as a woman, you have to work harder to prove yourself. Mm -hmm. And then for my five-year-old son, he kind of gets the, we just don't want a street in our yard. And so we're going to get with our neighbors and we're going to make a community effort, you know, to, to find a better plan. Right, right. So, um, anything else you want to say about the, the road before we, I just want to ask you a few questions about your art and your garden as well, but uh, anything else you want to add about that before we conclude? Um, not really. I mean, it is, you know, it is a hard fight. And one of the things that I should have mentioned this too, is that I found other people who had already been through it and who were willing to help me and give me advice. And I think anybody that's going through something like this, if they want to reach out to me, you know, and, and if they have questions that please feel free to, and I will tell you about my experiences and what I've learned and, you know, and hopefully share and prevent some of the things that have happened to me. Right. Right. Many of which is on your blog too. Um, yeah. Yes. So we'll have a link to your blog in the show notes for this, but also um, you're, you have many wonderful illustrations and art on your blog, which, you know, this being an urban homesteading kind of, a podcast I think people will enjoy very much because um, you're an avid gardener and your art and illustrations reflect that. Uh, can you say something about your art? And that um, you work as an illustrator as well, I take it. Sort of. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I sell prints online and I get some freelance work, but it, I did more sculpture before I had kids. And then once we had our daughter, I lost my studio space that became her nursery. And so then I turned to 2D work. Uh, and I guess as a gardener, it was just sort of a natural transition to start starting more with plants. But I also think as a, as a gardener, I find growing my own food to be revolutionary. Um, to be able to stand up for yourself and do it yourself is a pretty incredible feeling. Uh, and so I, just capturing that on paper in a more conceptual sense is, um, is why I, you know, illustrate with and draw plants. And sometimes, sometimes I'll paint just kind of depends, but documenting, you know, what I'm, what I'm experiencing out in the garden. Yeah. I'd encourage people listening to this definitely to go to your blog and, and check out your illustrations they are quite beautiful. Um, can you say something you. about your garden too? Uh, and you have a swamp reclamation project as well. Right. Um, well, the garden is, uh, my interest is on edibles, perennial edibles. Uh, and so most of it is, is that. I, uh, I don't have a very formal garden. I just kind of find an interesting plant and really want to explore it. And so that gets incorporated into everything that's kind of wild and growing out there. But, uh, you know, lots of Lamb's quarters, lots of, gosh. Do you have, do you <laughs> no, have fruit to... trees too? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, we have plums, peaches. My, we have some figs that my grandmother planted. We have pecans. We're letting some mulberries grow, but they're still pretty young. You know, just mm-hmm. once the birds planted and trying to go around my yard and think of everything <laughs> we have. We have a couple of apple trees. We oh, have yeah. some pawpaws. Uh-huh. Um, Lots of, you know, lots of different things. <laughs> cool, cool. And what's the Swamp Reclamation Project? But that is my new 
my new project, and it came out of this whole street thing. Uh, we have a, an area in our backyard that the water line hooks, uh, the water line goes, you know, parallel to the street, and it's a low-lying area. And one time, the county sent a truck over to work on something back there, and it, I guess it cracked a pipe. So there's this very slow leak that keeps mm-hmm. that area wet. Uh, and we have called the county at least eight times, but it's our backyard. Even though it's on a street, they can't find it because it doesn't have an address. <laughs> <laughs> even though I can tell them it's the area between this address and this address. So they won't fix it, which is fine. <laughs> and we've been building it up and trying to get it. So, you know, mosquitoes aren't a problem. And it's that, you know, we got it fixed, but then I realized what a great opportunity it for me to go back since the mayor was making fun of our yard to go back and beautify it and put in some useful plants that can withstand all of that water. Um, and so I've had, and it, so I decided it was best as a community input project, right? Where everything is um, donated and, and people really get in, they get involved just by giving plants to it. So uh, I've had a lot of people give me plants that are really happy and thriving back there and beautifying the area and i call it the the james taylor swamp reclamation which james <laughs> taylor was mayor, our former mayor yeah, right? yeah. former mayor <laughs> well renee uh, i want to thank you for spending some time with us and i uh, wish you the best of luck with this project please let me know uh how it goes and we'll, we'll hope for the best all right thank you so much for talking it was fun thank you renee that was renee garner you can find her blog and art at renee-garner.com. To leave a question for the Root Simple Podcast, call us at area code 213-537-2591 or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. We are at Root Simple on Twitter. You can have our podcasts automatically downloaded for free by subscribing in the iTunes store or on Stitcher. Thank you again to our many supporters. Our closing theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you for listening.